beating me. What should you do? Oh, hey, we got a letter from Peter in here. This is a pleasing thing in the sight of God when one bears up unjustly under sorrows. Imagine the slave's female. I don't see how the, the and, and, and Peter's interchanging plural. Let me just read through that. Read through First Peter 2. Um, I, don't, I don't see it. So I'm not, I'm not going to condemn it. I didn't live there. I wasn't one of those people. I have not heard compelling arguments except the possibility of that one line of you, you weren't our authority. But if, if you're granting England is the American's authority, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see how the argument's made. Um, not, so... So slaves or servants be subject to your own masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Well, why would that not hold across to kings and governors, not also to the just, but to the unjust? Is this only for slaves? Slaves don't get to revolt, but citizens do. I don't, I'm open to hearing it. I don't. Okay. So then watch how he goes from slaves to general principles. Slaves be subject to your own masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one, anyone. Now we're dealing, verse 19 is a general truism. This is not unique to slaves. Get this. It is a gracious thing in God's eyes when anyone endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Just, just chew on that for a minute. For what credit is it When you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this, you've been called. What is the antecedent of this? Being beaten for doing good? Something like that. And now this to this you've been called is it back to a general statement to Christians. And lest lest you think maybe I'm overstating it, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. I'm, we're supposed to follow the example and suffer like Christ suffered. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. What's the point of making that point? He's more righteous than you. The injustices done against him are greater than the injustices done against you. When people treat you and me unjustly, there's a sense in which we deserve it. We're not the creator of the universe. We're sinful people ourselves. So it's the argument from the greater to the lesser. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Don't miss 24. We were saved because someone didn't stand up for his rights and willfully suffered mistreatment for the sake of conscience for God. By his stripes, He bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So if you're a Christian, you owe it to the fact that Jesus suffered mistreatment willingly for the glory of God. Are you unwilling to do the same? Or is that just for slaves and Jesus? That's that's why I have a hard time getting the, no, you know. Um, And it can get get complicated, but that's my broad general answer now. Hit, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get pilloried now. Okay. Um, oh, who's next? Oh, Rowdy. Um, the uh, taxation without representation thing is like what's in the history books. Yeah. But I've watched several lectures on on that. Point. Yeah. And what 
they had begun to treat the colonists as non-citizens. And they had begun to, it's mentioned in our Constitution, that you can't, you can't forcibly half-quarter yeah. soldiers in homes. And yeah. so the way, the, the one argument that I heard, and it's like, I, I, yeah. I, I don't know either. I mean, I'm not pushing any point, but like that was the, the thing. They were treated as non-citizens and they were forcibly pushed out of their homes and they were forcibly, their, their food sources were forcibly sure. taken sure. from let me make one other qual- let me make one other qualification um, even if even if the American Revolutionary War was entirely rebellious if it doesn't change the fact God has established this country as a country, and I'm thankful for it. It doesn't. Caesar's. How did Caesar become Caesar? Through a through a political process, through a coup. Um, and yet, by the time the New Testament's written, he's he's the governing authority. So even if a governing authority became a governing authority illegitimately, it doesn't change the fact that they're now the governing authority. You don't get you don't get Roman citizens saying I'm loyal to the republic. Um, I'm, I'm holding on for the Senate. He's, at some point, he's Caesar. And, and so it, it, I, love, I love my country. I think America, as far as I'm aware of the knowledge of world history, is the greatest, freest. It's the country I'd pick to most be in any time or place, for just about. Nothing, nothing to qualify that there. But that also doesn't mean we need to, to, to sanctify everything we've ever done um, and we hold everything up to Scripture. And, and again, I wasn't alive back going through the trials people are going through back then. So I, don't, I want to be very slow. So when people ask me about, uh, like, Bonhoeffer, you know what I mean? I want to be very slow to cast stones, which is why I'm phrasing it the way I phrase it, which is I don't know how Bonhoeffer got to where he got to um, with, with the Valkyrie conspiracy. But he's going to stand for the Lord, not me. I, I have yet to make that math add up, but, which is different than condemning him. I'm just saying I, I'm not sure how to get there. So I want to be careful don't hear me say more than I'm saying. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Don? Yeah. I got a daughter named after her. Yael is jail. Except the, the Ys become Js when they go through the Germanic line. Anyway, yes. Yes. Um, how do you, do you think uh, J.O. was uh, justified or, or did she do wrong? Or is it, uh, Her nation's at war with another people. I don't, I don't think the Bible necessarily even, I don't think the Bible even necessarily, we talk about like just war. I don't even know if that's like a, I, I got to be careful, but like, the British thought we were cheap because we wouldn't line up to stand up and shoot them in a line. I mean, like, there's a sense when you're at war, you're at war, and you're going to kill your enemy. And no, Cicero, we weren't at war. They weren't at war with Cicero. Well, they were, but the reason they were at war, 
Yeah. Sure. God never told them not to resist the Canaanites. And the whole story of Judges' cycle is him raising up deliverers to help them to fight back. But part of also what's going on with Judges is God shaming Israel even in how he delivers them so that Deborah is meant to shame them. I mean, the whole point is because Barak wasn't man enough to step up, God's going to give the deliverance to him. The whole reason Jael or Yael is the one who is given the decisive victory is to shame Barak. So I'd be careful at looking at judges and being like, this is how things are supposed to work. I mean, Samson is a profligate, a drunkard. He's going and visiting prostitutes. This is the deliverer that people deserve. Now, he's in the Hall of Faith. But to be like, okay, judge, getting back to who's the good guy and who's the bad guy, Samson's not the good guy. Um, he's a man of faith. He's got moments of faith. But Judges is all about, in those days, there was no king, and everyone did what was right in the sight of their own eyes. You could ask me, is, is, uh, is Ehud killing Eglon, lying to him, sneaking a dagger in because he's left-handed? And, and I think the whole thing is just disgusting and gory and, you know, like, this, Israel's broken, and God's raising deliverers, but they're broken deliverers. Or Jephthah, you know, um, sacrificing his daughter which I think is the most natural way of reading the text. Um, was that right? Well, it happened. And, and part of it's, this is the, je- the deliverer God raised up, Jephthah. So, so I, get, I get your point, but when you're at war, you're at war. Um, and Israel wasn't forbidden from fighting the Canaanites. The point is God's not going to give them victory. But he does give them victory through the judge, Deborah. And so when Yael drives the tent peg through Sisera's head, it's in the context of God is raising up a deliverer and a judge. But Judges is, is wonky territory, is of, of trying to draw, other than watching God deliver his people, of drawing principles and, and concepts, just because the whole point is things aren't working the way they should. Things are broken. Kevin Wink. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's question number two. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I knew it was coming. Sure. Um, so let's go back to First Peter. I, I would say the instructions are top down. It's not just one person. That's why one of the reasons I made is this is this is every. And even though in, right here he only lists two, the, the Basileus, the king or the emperor and the governors, he's going to use slaves, he's going to use marriage. And so I'd say everything top, top down. Um, the problem with the I, the problem with the constitutional argument is that I see is twofold. I, I get I get it because the president swears to uphold it. Every armed service member is swearing to uphold the constitution. Um, even if that's valid, and it might well be valid, we're still called to honor everyone down. So even if you think this, per, like you get back to the question, like are you the authority? I'd still say honor all men, like. Now do I get to mock and deride him? No. It would be the first thing. Um, the second would be, in the same way that Rome was a republic, and yet at some point Caesar took over, and there may have been a couple years there, it was unclear who the authority is. Is Caesar actually in charge? At some certain point, Caesar became in charge. We left the, as, as I read history, we left the constitutional order decades ago. 
I mean, like FDR, or you could, I could, you could argue Lincoln, really. I mean, no, seriously, you could, Lincoln is the absolute supremacy of the Fed over the states. He, he did it for a great cause, but that's the collateral damage is now, no, you can't leave. Read the Articles of Confederation. It sure looks to me like they could leave. Um, so if, if you're arguing that, then where do you want to draw the foul line at? Lincoln, FDR, um, there's this, I, I tend to be more cynical and think, dude, we, we left that map a long time ago. And now here's the way things are. Caesar, Caesar. But I won't, I won't hugely argue the point. I'd simply say, okay, can we call on your judges to r- rule? And that's the nice thing about our system. Like a 50-year-old mistake got corrected last week. Right. So, sure, if, if there's things that are unconstitutional appeal, can we do that in a respectful, honoring way? Can we do that as much as it depends upon us being submissive, even as we're calling up? Yeah, sure. I have no problem with saying, hey, I think that ruling is contrary to this doc. Go for it. I'm my biggest statement would be even if you want to take that route, which I think is you can make some progress with that. At no point is like now you get to sneer. Now you get to deride. Now you get to mock and flex and, you know, stick it to them. That's not the model Christ gave us. That's, that's, that's my biggest point is, sure, call on it. I mean, really, who would have thought Roe would have fallen? And Texas appealed it, and our judges agreed. Praise God, right? So, sure. I mean, there, that gives me some hope in our constitutional order, but... Um, if you think I don't have to honor any man, I just have to honor the constitution. No, that that's not right. Just because of Peter's all human. And then he starts listing various things. It's not just one person. It's top down. Um, so where, where there's legitimate human authority, we are, if we're able to, to honor it and submit to it. So no, that's, I knew that was coming. That was number two. Let's see if number three comes. I predicted three questions. Two have come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. 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 Well, and I'm and I'm really nervous with um, people who, what they mean when they say the Constitution is their reading of the Constitution, and up until a week ago, the reading of the Constitution of our highest courts was abortion was a right. Now, I think it was a wrong ruling. But does that mean that I'm now free to disregard the rulings of the Supreme Court whenever I think they don't agree with the Constitution? If that's the case, sounds like I get to do what I want. And I'm really suspicious of the answer is you get to do what seems right in the side of your own eyes. Um, no, I, I, I have a healthy suspicion for that. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I'm cautious of I obey the Constitution really means... I do what I think the Constitution says and nothing else, and no one else can correct me. That, that sounds like a dangerous place to be. Um, so, yeah. Yes, Jennifer.
Well, if you're dealing, let's start with circles of responsibility. If you're dealing with other believers and believers in this body, I'd, I'd encourage you to try to, you know, to think about it. That should be reactionary, and you can do it in the moment. You can come back later, but I, I think it's wholly appropriate to say, hey, um, the way you, you've talked about our governor or our congressman or our president or our Supreme Court justice or whoever you want to make the authority, I, I don't think is... Or, or maybe even make it a question instead of a charge. D- do you think that was fitting? Do you think it was good? Help me understand how you think it was good and fitting. Because there's a lot of New Testament commands about language that are somewhat vague. Let no rotting or corrupt words come out of your mouth. Well, Paul doesn't give us a list of what they are. And so what you're comfortable with, the sharpness of your words might be different than mine. So that's going to lead us to conversations of, okay, Jennifer, help me understand how the, the euphemisms you use are fitting and right and good. And that can be a good discussion, right? Or you can be vice versa. If you're really clear, if you're really confident, then you could say, you know, I'm, I'm, it really seemed like you were pouring scorn on him yesterday. You know, um, I think those are great conversations to have when we get the fact that, according to Paul, their soul, the tensions, are di- the passions that wage war with our flesh, one of those passions is rebellion. Okay, get, get that. That's Genesis 3. We don't like being told what to do by God. And so always take a healthy dose of self-consciousness when we think it's time to rebel against some other authority because it comes really naturally. It comes really naturally to my kids. It's just, just a certain amount of like healthy suspicion of like, am I just doing this because my, my flesh likes to rebel. That's my point. It's very easy for my flesh to like to do that. So triple check your math and triple check your heart before you act on that. Um, so because of that, and because of the watching audience, this does matter. You know, um, we, we don't want to give unbelievers a cause to, to uh, curse the name of Christ. And I think frequently in the church, we've done exactly that. Um, and, and, so, and, our, and, and you're aware our culture keeps score and keeps track. Um, and so we, we, we need to be on our guard. And so those, those are good conversations to have. Whether you're not sure enough to say something, so you're just asking questions, or it's really clear, and so you're going to actually, you know, challenge someone. Yeah. No, no different than any other command of the Bible. No different than any other ethical or sin issue. So, yeah. Four minutes to go. Who we got in the back? Yes. Yeah. We got three minutes. Yeah, yeah. Nothing in the law of Moses establishes the Pharisees. They were self-instituted. So that would be the first question would be, are they a legitimate authority? Um, The second point would be God's prerogative to rebuke people claiming to keep his law. I mean, so in other words, Israel uniquely is a nation in covenant with God with agreed upon rules and stipulations. And to use Jesus' analogy, the vineyard owner who rents out his vineyard to tenants, when the vineyard owner's son comes to collect the rent, 
he can appeal to the agreement. So Jesus, as the Messiah, as the Davidic king, and as God, has prerogatives that you and I don't necessarily have. Um, Jesus can forgive sin. I can't do that. Um, so I'm not sure in what sense the Pharisees are actual authorities. That'd be the first question I have. Um, Paul is only rec- willing to recognize the, uh, the chief priest. That is a Old Testament Mosaic law assigned office. As far as we know, the Pharisees was kind of a grassroots Bible movement that rose up during the uh, Maccabean period between the Testaments. They basically, let's get people reading their Bibles. Um, and, and Jesus' prerogative is also unique. No, 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 fair enough. I mean, someone's going to point out John the Baptist rebuking. We don't, but we don't know how John the Baptist rebuked Herod. We don't know if he used stinging satire, if he said, hey, that's not right. We know Herod didn't like it. We know he put him to death for it. Um, so, yeah, religious hypocrites get blasted by Jesus. But compare that with how he talks to Pontius Pilate how he talks to his Rome. Like, in other words, I, my whole point would be, look at the distinction between Jesus just inviscerating the Pharisees and how he deals with the centurions and the Roman leaders. It's night and day. Would, would, that'd be my starting point. He seems to have a very different standard for people who claim to be Yahwehists and scripturists and people holding political authority. I, so I, you ask a good question, we're out of time. I can stick around for a few more minutes, but I'd start answering along those lines that I see nothing like what he does to the Pharisees going towards Herod or Pilate or any of the Roman rulers. Does it also prove the point that he's now truly the authority of the church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you.